Welcome to the Mad Hands Records Podcast. Brought to you courtesy of Spotify for Podcasters. Thanks to Spotify, the music of Mad Hands Records is available for all to hear, anytime, any day. Johnny Rock and myself, Mad Mike, have some interesting stories about this great music. So sit back and enjoy it. Welcome to episode 5 of the Mad Hands Record Podcast. I'm joined today by my good buddy Ray Powers to talk about and play music from Easy Speak, a collection of uh, music and poetry by Dave Rubin and the Emblems. This was the fifth release on Mad Hands Records and came out in 2010, and once again featured the poetry of Dave Rubin. However, the treatment given to Dave's poems was a little different approach However, the treatment given to Dave's however, the treatment given to Dave's poems this time around was a lot different than what would come before this. Blue cues and psychedelic steppenwolves were primarily vehicles for a thousand tiny fingers. So instead of using thousand tiny fingers, we now had a majority of music that was put together by myself and Ray Powers and Dave just sitting down, hashing out parts, trying to find what works, because we hadn't done it before. So it was a whole new way to to approach Dave's poems. Yeah, let me tell you, I had known Dave Rubin at that point for maybe 10 years. I had met him, I think, formally while we were recording uh, American Masters. And I was a tech at that point, and a gopher, and I was, you know, the coffee guy and the boom gaffer guy. But, you know, to have graduated to now working with Dave Rubin, it was a little bit surreal. You know, he was just this, like, mythical guy to me. And, uh, you know, he's like, okay, well, here, just put down a groove at Mike and see what you guys come up with. And it was, you know, it was a really cool experience. I'm looking back at it. It's like, a, what, 12 years now? Yeah, 12 years. And... uh I listened to the songs and I remember exactly what we were doing and, you know, what the mindset was when we put those together, especially, you know, some of the tracks you can play. Well, they were a lot of fun. And again, it was different. Again, uh, primarily a lot of the music that came before this that went with Dave's poetry were pre-recorded pieces that had already been recorded right. uh, previously. And we matched them up with Dave's poems with a few exceptions, things like the blues singer and things like that. But to sit down and do a whole album where it was just really just the two of us coming up with, with feels with him that he was happy with that, that fit the, the, the particular piece and, and went along with the words. That was a different approach for us. And it was fun because we just sat there in the studio. I actually had a little 14-inch bass drum. Yeah, I remember that little kick. That was cool. And it actually was a tom-tom. It was a marching tom-tom. Uh, was it really? That I used, turned it over, put the put a pedal on it and the snare drum was had a had a big cloth on it oh the tea cloth like the beatles huh? yeah well nice. ringo was my man so you know it was okay i didn't it was uh <laughs> i borrowed from somebody somebody good everyone steals from the best you know <laughs> we don't want to say anything online though with uh, draw attention to somebody that may have something that uh, doesn't belong to them so we won't uh, yeah no no we we talked about that it's an inside <laughs> joke at this point but uh yeah 
But anyway, this was a really special uh, recording for me and for you because, you know, although we had worked together for a lot of recordings before this, this was the first Mad Hens Records recording that had come out since right. American Masters. Now, I remember American Masters had Dave Rubin come in and, uh, and play some harmonica, right? but that was primarily the, uh, the singers and the Blues Burners band with uh, Dave Backer and Arnie Brown. Yeah, I got to... I know I got to do some like supplemental stuff, like hand clapping with Dave and some some cool like background stuff, and that's when I really got to talk to him. And uh, you know, a weird cat like us, and just you know, we're all misfits. You know, we're all in the same uh, boat as far as you know. Well, we we didn't have anybody else, so we got each other. Well, you know, when I first met you in '96, I knew that it was a way that I wanted to include you in the label. Um, you know, uh, psychedelic Steppenwolf had come out a couple of years before I met you, right? But uh, we just had a something that clicked the way we played together and how we felt about yeah. music in general, uh, and it it really blossomed. And by the time it came around to doing this album, it had been almost fifteen years. I know that I'd crazy. known you, and again, you had helped on a lot of other uh, productions that weren't on the label because right. there was a lot of people that came in to record between two thousand two and two thousand ten. A lot of outsourcing, yeah. Uh, to the point where really my mind was pretty much on other people's projects rather right. than my own because there was just so much going on, which was good. You know, uh, honed my craft, learning how to engineer a little better. And uh, having you there really made a big difference because I mean, this, I'm a drummer. You right. know, I mean, I can play a little keyboards, but constructing songs, and we have a lot of clients that will come in that needed songs made for them right and somebody that knew how to put chords together and and play keyboards and bass and guitar and backup vocals and all that kind of stuff you know you kind of made me look better than i was <laughs> all i had to do was put a beat to stuff and we had it no it was it was a good experience and it was it really was a privilege to you know be on officially be such an integral part of you know pouring the foundation for another album on the uh, on the label and this was like my foray into that and it was really cool Right. Well, you know, the first piece I want to play off this is uh, entitled Rock and Roll. It's the opening number from the uh, collection. And we are talking about Easy Speak again. Uh, Dave Rubin and the Emblems. That was the name he gave to his band, which was basically you and I. Right. <laughs> that was, we were the we Emblems. We the Emblems. <laughs> we're left and right. Right. So, again, it's just the two of us and Dave. And uh, he's giving his masterful definition of what our lifestyle is all about. Let's give a listen to... Rock and Roll, off of the 2010 collection, Easy Speak, Dave Rubin and the Emblems. Rock and Roll is rags to riches. Rock and Roll is sons of bitches. Rock and roll is a skinny tie. Rock and roll is a sexy lie. Rock and roll is the beat of your heart. Rock and roll is a dead man's art. Rock and roll is tight, dirty jeans. Rock and roll is in a museum. Rock and roll is prime lust. Rock and roll is a dream gone bust. Rock and roll is the best disguise Rock and roll is a lover's lies Rock and roll is a bar and a blue moon Rock and roll, oh, deep in the back 
bath you Rock and roll is the promised land Rock and roll is a broke down van Rock and roll is the best disguise Rock and roll is a lover's lies Rock and roll is gambling in the alley Rock and roll is shopping in the valley Rock and roll is a blast from the past Rock and roll's a speed freak that crashed Rock and roll is the beat of your heart Rock and roll is a dead man's art That was Rock and Roll, Dave Rubin and the Emblems, off of the Easy Speak with collection of 2010. Not bad for a couple snot-nosed white suburban uh, boys, right? By the way, that was co-written by one of Dave Rubin's real good friends, Mitch Suval. Yeah, and you know, right away when I heard Rock and Roll, I realized that this was going to be a radical departure from... Well, of course, it's a different sound with, you know, Thousand Tiny Fingers being jazzy and being very avant-garde. This was like straight-ahead rock and roll, but it had that almost Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, real sleazy kind of feel, which is what Dave wanted. He said, give me something down and greasy and dirty, and that's exactly what, you know, we envisioned. And I think we captured it. I think that was just the perfect opener. It was different, uh, even how I recorded the drums. You know, he wanted a real lo-fi sound, is how he described it. And... I pulled out a little tom-tom, 14-inch tom-tom. It was a wooden tom-tom, you know, marching uh, drum, and made it into a kick drum. Put a pedal on it and uh, had this little snare drum that I put a big cloth on it to get the real dry, flat sound. Then I had a sizzle cymbal and a hi-hat. That was all I used for that. And we just knocked out this great feel. Yeah, it was very bare bones. Like, we didn't really, like, layer this. It was just, like, one bass track, I think one guitar track, and... You know, it really breathes, I think. But the tracks are full, so we really, really nailed everything, almost first shot. And, uh, you know, worked on the arrangements, of course. But when we, you know, hit the red light, I think we just, everything clicked. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Ray, the first song that we uh, started doing work on for this collection was LDL Blues, right? It was. I will never forget that session because my daughter was born like a day or two before and both Rose and Emma were in the maternity ward. I was living at the maternity ward in uh, Hackensack at uh, Hackensack Hospital and driving back and forth, you know, you were close by. Do I need a guitar? Do I need a bass? And I had all this stuff and it was just, it was a great time. I was, you know, euphoric for just having um, become a father and a lot of the stuff was a blur, but that was very, very vivid putting down that first track because Dave had said, I want something sleazy, I want something dirty on the bass, and just give me something primal and greasy. And you had that little kit, and I just remember that that uh, session was, it was a blast. It was very greasy, very greasy. Uh, you know, Dave listens back to that one, he tells me constantly, man, you know, that feel, man, man, you gotta do that more often. <laughs> yeah, You know, cool. it's like, it was just... One of those, you know, I listened to the poem, you know, two of us did together, and it's like, man, this is what it feels like. And people love that poem. I mean, so many people can identify with it. It's just, it's one of the best. Now, um, uh, the saxophone didn't go down with us. We put it no. down. We just put that rhythm down. Uh, Jimmy Davis came in later. Right, I wasn't there for that. And added that saxophone, which totally cemented the piece. 
It made it even greasier and sleazier. Oh. Well, you know, instead of talking about it, let's get down and listen to Dave Rubin and the Emblems doing LDL Blues off of the Easy Speak collection of 2010. I'm drinking coffee without caffeine. I'm eating eggs without the yolk. The next thing they'll have me doing is eating bacon without the poke. I'm eating strawberries without the shortcake. I'm eating blueberries without the pie. No matter what that damn blood test says, I still have to die. So give me the cheeseburger with a whole lot of fries. No matter what that blood test says, I'm gonna still have to die. I'm eating bread without the butter, chicken wings without the grease. I'm so hungry all the time, I just can't get no peace. I can't eat Chinese cause of the MSG, pizza, bagels, Doc says he's gonna kill me. No jelly donuts. Stay away from peanut butter too. The only way I can get some sugar, baby, if I steal a little from you. You know, the only exercise I get is with a knife a fork and a spoon Then I knock down two beers and jog all the way to the bathroom LDL Blues, classic Dave Rubin. Yeah, and again, just such a primal, greasy, dirty sound. I mean, he's like, I want dirty blues, and we gave it to him. He got it. (laughs) If you'd like to hear more music from Mad Hands Records, and maybe even purchase a song or two, the best place to go is madhandsrecords.bandcamp.com. The whole catalog is up there, and you can listen to any song on the site without charge. There's a lot of content, so take your time and visit often. MadHandsRecords.BandCamp.com If you like the Mad Hands artwork on Bandcamp, 
Check out my site, mindofmanto.com, all one word. Some of my more familiar oils, as well as sketches, and some of my album cover art is on that site. Email me at manto51 at yahoo.com and tell me what you think. Once again, we're talking about Easy Speak, uh, the 2010 release on Mad Hands Records, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Ray Powers, who had a lot to do with this recording. Yeah, again, it was just such an honor to be officially part of something, and I got an associate producer credit on this as well, so that was totally cool. Um, well deserved. Well, thank you. It was like, it was a lot of work putting this stuff together, but I mean, the time flew. It was so much fun arranging the stuff and, you know, getting the yay from Dave or the nay or, you know, he'd kind of look at you. Well, you know, just trying to pull ideas out of his head. It was like, you know, it became an art form. It's like we learned after a while. It's kind of like John Lennon actually uh, asked, telling uh, Jeff Emmerich, I want to sound like Moses in the clouds. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, well, let's see here. <laughs> okay, we can do that. Well, you know, going past the music part of this recording, uh, just talking about the artwork, you know, up to this point, most of the stuff that came out of Mad Hands uh, featured some artwork from John Monto, my good buddy from uh, <clears throat> back in my formative years. And this album didn't. Um, Primarily because Dave had a preconception of what he wanted well before we even started work on the uh, project. And he would have probably entertained thought of uh, of John doing something with it. And I would have uh, been happy to see how John would have approached it. But, you know, the more I look at the album over the years, I'm, I think it's a really cool cover. Yes. And uh, I think it probably was one of those storefronts that Dave went in front of a lot and saw it. It was just, you know, fascinating. Oh, all the guitars, man, it's awesome looking. And it, it is. is. Yeah, you know, that didn't even dawn on me until recently. Like, Monto had obviously done the vast majority of covers, but you're right. That and, like, maybe Louis and a couple others, um, those are the only two I could think of that he didn't do. But that is a great cover, and I used to work on 48th Street, and I used to, you know, go into those shops, you know, whenever I could, whenever I got paid. Yeah. Uh, late, late 80s, early 90s, and it could have been one of maybe six or seven flagship shops there. We couldn't obviously use the, uh, you know the sign there and the probably most of them are gone by now uh i'm not sure by 2010 if they were they probably were i mean 48th street now is there's nothing there with music new york uh, is unrecognizable very different place you know we were lucky i i was lucky to to come up to new york uh, in the early 80s and it was even at that point it wasn't like what it was in the 70s no but you still had a vast it was still part of the heyday like the tail end of it yes and boy some great, great, great uh, stories. And, you know, <laughs> I can just, imagine things you can't tell on the air. <laughs> and some of them you can, like every night being able to play with somebody else. You know, there was so many venues yeah. where you could walk in for free and just start playing and uh, jamming and meeting people. I met so many people the first few years I lived in New York, and all those connections uh, are still, you know, working for me today. Even back to 2002, I was on Bleecker Street four times a week, working a different room, and none of them are left. Except for uh, the, the uh, other end, or uh, the bitter end. The bitter end is still around. Yeah. Uh, and that's still, every night somebody's playing there. Terra Blues is still open. I think the back fence is still open, too. There There's are a couple. There, there, are, there are a few. Um, a lot of the big rooms, uh, Bottom Line. Bottom Kenny's uh, Castaways. Uh, Lone Star. Red Lion. All those places. I know that Red Lion. And now uh, uh, 55 is gone. Is it really? Yeah. That's just depressing me. <laughs> yeah. So it's a different New York now. But again, we're not talking about New York on this uh, this show, although it's hard not to, because that's where we had our whole career. And Dave Rubin is the consummate New Yorker. Yeah, he is. 
Um, now, the third piece I've got queued up from this collection, interestingly enough, is the only one that I'm not on. I was uh, doing the engineering for this only, and you're playing all the percussion on it. And I'm not sure if you were playing my marimba or if it was a keyboard marimba. Uh, I'm going to ask you on this. This is the tune I'm going to play here is Eternal Pursuit, which was really just you and Jimmy Davis. You know what? I think I worked it out, and I think we wanted the true marimba sound. And it took me a little bit because I don't play marimba. And, you know, obviously it was a rudimentary part that I got down. It was like like Jerry Garcia on the slide guitar or the pedal steel. But um, I believe we wanted to capture an actual, mm-hmm. you know, marimba. So, you know, I it was a task. I, I went out to the woodshed and I worked on it. And uh, I believe we got it down. I think it was the real McCoy. I wonder if that woodshed's still out there. I'm not, you know. Not there's, there's a creepy clown in there giving out free hugs. <laughs> Let's give a listen to Dave Rubin with uh, Ray Powers and Jimmy Davis uh, doing the uh, piece Eternal Pursuit off of the 2010 release Easy Speak. Broken man's eternal pursuit Don't you know by now There are some women Who are too beautiful to love They belong to everyone And to no one Like natural wonders their alpine cheekbones and the dark mystery of their waist-length biblical hair, the hourglass hypnotics as they slink by, and the quick paralyzing glance of the deep-set X-ray eyes. They belong to everyone And to no one Don't you know that by now? There are some women Too beautiful to love Beautiful poem and shimmering music. Great one, Ray. Well, thank you. You know, I had forgotten about those backing vocals, and now that I listen to it, I remember laying those down. And just, again, like the faith and the trust that Dave had in me to just execute these, it just emboldened me, and we nailed all this stuff in basically one take. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just so much fun putting this together. And, you know, when... I heard it when I heard the final mix. It was, it floored me because it was just like wow. When you build it, you know, from the ground up, you pour the foundation, and uh, you know, by the time you top it all out, it's just such a cool process. Which is why you started making records in the first place. Absolutely, just listening to it now brings all the memories back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's true. Well, you know, Ray, this has been a gas. Just talking about this recording back in 2010, uh, Easy Speak. And hopefully anybody who's been uh, tuning into this uh, episode will uh, check out the other four episodes as well. Because, again, these are, well, you know, I'm, we're the owners of them, so we think they're great. But of course. Uh, <laughs> I think they are, though. I've got one last selection, Ray, that I want to play from this. Uh, and I think you're going to like this. And I hope it's the one I'm thinking. I bet it is. Well, being a program director for six years, I haven't uttered anything close to this being uh, syndicated all over the world. But this is a podcast. Fucking Stones, man. I mean, that track is just... When you brought it to us, I didn't know what to think. <laughs> but, you know, we got, we got to uh, sneak that little lick in there. You know, just enough to not get pinched by the copyright people. Yeah, yeah. I can't get no satisfaction. So, you know, to get on out of here, let's listen to Dave Rubin with a little rock vitriol and uh, kind of cynical humor that he brings to all his work. That's why we know and love him. Without further ado, let's skate and donate and get on out of here. Hey, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. All right, cool. Fucking stones, man. In the year 85-85, two professors of linguistics somehow stumbled upon the phrase fucking stones, man. And they puzzled over its meaning. Could the phrase have been snogged by a farmer clearing land? Was it uttered by triumphant jewel thieves? May it have been slurred by a drunk describing his own condition? Could it have been the answer of a truck driver to the question of why his vehicle bounced so uncomfortably? Could it have been the demand of a fanatic dealing with an adulterer? May the phrase have been agonizingly spit out by a patient in an emergency room describing his condition to a doctor or an insurance agent. Incomprehensible. The pulsating poltergeist of a phrase vamping in the void, going va-va-voom in the vacuum, violating the voice's volition, vilified in a voluptuous perdition. What was the original meaning? Fucking stones, man. Finally, after devoting his entire scholarly career to solving the phrase's puzzle, in abject rage, the linguist sputtered, Fucking stones, man. I can't get no satisfaction. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mad Hands Records Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email me at madmikecullens at gmail.com or 
monto51 at yahoo.com. And please, tell us what you think. We'd appreciate it. Also, check us out on Facebook, Mad Hands Records. Well, until next time, tan, don't burn. And cross on green, not in between. <laughs>